There's a lot of talk these days about innovation in education. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Learning Capacity. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast, improving student learning outcomes with neuroscience-based language and reading programs since 1999. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. And you can subscribe to this podcast for free. Search for Learning Capacity on iTunes or visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. Greg Whitby is the Executive Director of Schools for the Catholic Education Diocese of Parramatta. He not only likes to talk about innovation in education, he's at the leading edge of it. When you hear words like transformation and new models of education, it's tempting to think that these are just nice ideas that will fade like a passing fad. But there's every reason to believe that the new St. Luke's Catholic College at Marsden Park will make a significant contribution towards a new model for education when it opens in 2017. It looks like everything's up for a rethink, from the way the new principal leader has been selected, to the design of the spaces, hours of operation, and how a typical day will operate. In this episode, Greg shares with me how this vision will unfold. Greg, thanks very much for joining us. It's great to be with you, Colin. Let's start off with something about uh, climbing the ladder in schools, because something that I hear quite often in uh, common rooms, etc., is that uh, good teachers often get promoted out of the classroom. When thinking about your concept of bringing people in from outside of the normal career progression, is this related to this idea? In other words, do we want to keep the the good teachers in the classroom and then bring good managers in from the outside? Uh, well, I'd answer the first part. I'm not sure about the second. I want to qualify the second part, but... I'd say that education is probably the only industry that takes the best of the best out of the point of contact where you make the most difference and take them away from the core work. Um, the way you improve kids' learning, in, there are many ways, but we know the best way is to have good teachers teaching them. So it follows that we need to keep the good teachers there. Um, the structure we've had in schools and uh, for um, administration of schools has been very hierarchical. Um, it's a model that um, has probably had its day as we move into a knowledge age. Most other organisations seem to work in much flatter, more agile, um, administrative and organisational way and find ways to exercise leadership in very different ways. Education has been and continues to be very slow to adapt to that reality. But the, um, getting the, the good managers, um, it's not a mutually exclusive process here. Um, we do have very good um, school leaders and principals who've come up through, through um, that structure that I talked about who can do both. But increasingly, as we understand the nature of collaborative and cooperative leadership, um, it, it's, it's a skill set that you need to put together and it's very contextual. So it's not a matter of one size fits all, there's only one way to do it and that the person that ends up the principal is the expert at everything. We've come through that era of leadership and it probably is best typified, I think, in the approach to leadership in the literature at the moment. They've moved away from talking about leadership and talking about leading. Uh-huh. I think that gives a, a better lens in which to look at this because it's about what you do, how you do it, and then building the skill set around you to allow you to do it because no one person can do everything. You were mentioning before the fact that the the model that we've been through is quite hierarchical. Now, you're talking to me with a voice that sounds like this is all very normal to you. Are you getting a lot of pushback from people that you talk to? I have had pushback. 
um, I've had comments made to me that, you know, um, I'm devaluing, you know, um, our existing leaders. Um, and I've had some, you know, people make that personal representation to me. I've had some uh, feedback that says, look, it's about time people raise these issues. And um, uh, it's been a, a great discussion. It's allowed me to write more about it. Um, I've, I've done so since we published it. Um, it obviously touched um, a, a nerve um, in the community, but it certainly has opened up a, a dialogue about possibilities of what can be. I think the the issue for us, and these things happen in, in a background and a context which I've referred to, but, you know, working in a knowledge age, um, we should question all the structures that we have. Are they appropriate, appropriate in a knowledge world? Um, certainly under the industrial model that schools mostly are all operated from, but, you know, mostly still do, you still see that command and control that it's vested in the one person. Um, there are very few organisations that would see it like that at the moment. So there have been a range of people who've commented on it from depending on your range of experience, I suppose, and, and how you see the world. We're clearly saying, and the work we're doing, it's about transforming the nature of schooling and therefore we should take a fresh look at what it means to lead a school community today. Mm. I'd like to come to that idea of transforming uh, schools a little bit later in the discussion. But something else I hear quite often along the, the lines of the, uh, the first argument that I mentioned was that schools are not businesses. You'll hear that in, in the common room as well. Or at least let me qualify that by saying you'll hear teachers say, at least they shouldn't be run like businesses. And I think there seems to be a fear amongst teachers that when, if I can use air quotes here, managers get involved, things go wrong because managers don't understand education or the learning process or what it's like to be in a school. How do we start the dialogue between these new entrepreneurial style managers and the teachers for whom this will be very new and perhaps somewhat confronting? Um, gee, uh, uh, can I tackle global warming first? <laughs> Um, oh, please, please do. <laughs> uh, the, that's, uh, this is at the heart of the matter. And I would agree with your proposition. If you just put managers in to manage it and turn it into a business, you'll miss the whole purpose of schooling. The socialisation process of schooling, learning and teaching is a highly relational process so that you need a skill set that understands those. On the other side of the coin, even the smallest school, our smallest school in our system, 150 students, several staff, is over a million dollars a year business. It, it is a business. It runs on business practices and business processes. We have accountability requirements and compliance accountability requirements that, we're met, met, uh, that we have to meet, and we do so and do that very well. So to say that they're not businesses is not to understand the complexity of running schools. And let's not conflate the two. Um, at, in, in the hierarchical model and the, the industrial model, it was the one person who was responsible for, for everything, from opening the gates, unlocking the, the toilets, to leading the, the learning, reporting to parents, building the building, cutting the grass, emptying it, et cetera, et cetera. Quite clearly in, the, in a knowledge age, I come back to that, that is not sustainable. It's not sustainable for two reasons. One is the complexity of the work in running schools. They're becoming increasingly more complex as governments continue 
uh, to legislate in both federal and state acts of parliament the requirements to run school, the expectation of the school community in terms of their compliance and safeguarding of their children, um, that one person can do everything. Um, so that takes us again into this, this area of saying, well, how do we build a team that will allow us to do to meet both ends? And it's not going to be by saying, well, we're not a business or we're only a school and all we have to do is make people feel cared, looked after and that we've answered um, the, the situation. That's why I think we need to approach this from transformation, not just tweaking the existing models. So getting involved with the teachers, though, I mean, perhaps we should suggest to uh, teacher education institutions that they start to Im introduce more uh, business-like subjects into the curriculum so that teachers can perhaps start to think more from an organisational perspective rather than just from what's going on in the classroom. Do you see that as a valid idea? Again, I wouldn't rule it out, but let's go back to what I'd call first principles. The, the literature, the theory the practice and the evidence is clear that the teacher outside of any of the school influences, say your parents, etc., and your postcode, the teacher has the most powerful influence on improving a student's learning. So what follows from that, the more you can promote that engagement and reflection on learning and involvement in that process, the higher will be the outcome for the student and the improvement. If that now takes a lot more time, how do you then get them to do a range of the other things? So if I say about compliance and those sorts of things and understanding that, we have ways now that we put in schools, we've provided online access, we provide 24-7 capability for you to meet those sort of things. We're using technologies for uh, teachers to be able to capture some of the administrative things they do, even like marking the roles and those sort of things. Is it perfect? No, it's not. It's a work in progress. But to assume, and, I, and I'm aware that some people even run MBAs in education, to assume that you need a financial skill set to every teacher to run schools is quite unclear. However, Having a principal and a leader or a teacher who aspires to those things, it could be very good to do those sort of things. In fact, I'm one of those. I, I, I do have a, a business degree and I've actually taught in business school as well as coming from an education background. But I didn't do it um, for career prospects. I did it for sort of enhancing my understanding of the work that we were doing. So do you see a conflict potentially between asking more business-minded, entrepreneurially-minded people to come into the school, which is a system that is by nature conservative and, you know, over the last few decades institutionalised. In other words, do you think that the people that you're looking for will be able to cope? Uh, yes, I do, um, and, and we have several of them. Um, but the way I, I put it, uh, entrepreneurial can be seen to be a pejorative in one sense, um, we, are, we understand now, I think, that um, it's around building robust partnerships. Um, you can't stay in isolation, even if you're a standalone school. You have to interact and intersect and connect locally and globally. Um, so in opening up um, that school environment, you're open up in, into a new world. So that's how I think that we will do that, and that's how we see things working, inviting 
people in to show new ways of working. It's not a matter of bringing entrepreneurs in and say, entrepreneurs know how to do that. They know the bottom line. They know the triple bottom line. They, they know how to the best get the best bang for the buck. They've got great investment strategies and all those sorts of things, which are one end of the entrepreneurial spectrum, I agree. Um, what we want is people who can think and imagine uh, and be given the opportunity to innovate. And where we put our focus is on the nature of innovation. So we don't want to look in the rear vision mirror and say, well, this is how we've done schools. And if you take the example of the existing schools, I did not want to put an advertisement in that said, we are looking for an experienced principal only. Mm. I'm not, I am interested in experience as one indicator because I'd like to see somebody who ha who has the respect of the community they've served, but I don't need an expert in how schools have been built in the past. I'm looking for somebody who is open-minded and say, well, we do need to change and this is, this is how we will try and do this and we will work with you. So in that sense, I'd talk about entrepreneurs, not in terms of the business school model and those sorts of things. So how early do you get these people involved in the, in the designing of the way the school functions, you know, in, in right. terms of its day-to-day -day operations? Okay. That's a, a very good, very good question. And again, as everything, there are two parts to this question. We used to, um, in, in my experience, and uh, certainly in the independent sector, uh, in the government sector, it's much more imposed because the government just builds the schools and you, you occupy it. We actually work with the local community first up, but we need to make very clear that we have right system standards, if you like. So we've made the commitment that we're, our schools will be places that enhance kids' learning, have teachers teaching, where we personalise the learning for the individual. That means that young people need to be organised in different ways, not just necessary classes or cohort groups. We need to have schools where teachers work collaboratively and design and participate in the design of the learning frameworks and that we provide agile, open opportunities for them to use space and technology as they see fit as a tool to help them improve the kids' learning. So that's how we set the parameters. Then we invite and target the, the leaders to come and work within that framework. In the past, what has happened has been you appoint a principal and the principal goes off and designs the school, holds a community thing, they design the uniform and then they just roll out a cookie-cutter type classroom for the admin block and, and those sort of things. No, we can no longer, we believe that that's no longer appropriate um, for providing schools in a, in a contemporary age and with the skill sets that we require now both for our teachers, our leaders and our students. So um, our existing school, the one that we did the advertisement for, um, it took us about three, over three months in the process to identify a candidate. That was after a very rigorous, well, uh, process went through several stages, which was a, a very new way of doing it. Um, um, and I can comment on that later if you like, but just to finish the, the other part of it. And that because we have a an internal governance group that maintains the standards, make sure that we do the demographics and the finances and all that sort of thing. And then 
the that leader is now working has started working with us part time. He will come full time in the next week, um, and now will work with us till the rest of the year on the operational side of things. The buildings will start. We have a buildings team that will help do those sorts of things. But his primary responsibility will to be start the planting of the school community. And the first up task, which takes you right back to your beginning question, was identifying the leadership construct that he needs to support him and the school community in their work. So um, we will be having a very different structure than you would see in a principal, deputy principal, uh, etc. We've He carries the title uh, principal leader and um, we will work, be working with and already working through the process of what we think and how how we believe you can build that sort of team. More from my discussion with Greg Whitby coming up in just a moment. You can subscribe to this podcast for free. Search for Learning Capacity on iTunes or visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. You mentioned before the move towards flatter structures. I'm thinking about uh, younger teachers or just teachers who are already in the system who aspire to leadership or, or want to be part of this new vision for schooling. Will they be able to have access to that principal leader? Oh, definitely. And um, going back to, I forget which question it was, um, um, when we talked about um, uh, teachers in the classroom, this whole issue is, is so problematic um, because of probably, and I, I'm going out on a limb here and saying the inflexible attitude of, of various sections to, to change so that at the moment the only way to pay teachers more and offer a career path is by taking them away from the face-to-face teaching. We need to find models that can satisfy both their career aspirations and give them access to, to, more, to um, more salary. Some people might argue that uh, good principals still teach and are actively involved in the classroom. This is something I wanted to really try and get your opinion on here because bringing CEOs in from industry presents a bit of a problem with this idea because of things like qualification and teacher registration. Do you, oh, see, yes. do you see a potential problem with these uh, new school leaders being one step removed from the learning environment, if I can put it that way? You, you've hit the nub and I keep repeating that that's the nub of the problem. When I take you back to what I said, what adds value to improving kids' learning is having good teachers teaching them. We know that teachers learn to be better teachers by working with each other. That's why we insist on collaborative opportunities. And we know that they'll collaborate better when they have leaders who can work with them who understand what it is to be a teacher in a contemporary world. So by definition uh, in our system, we insist that all teachers teach. Now, um, at the moment, that's done through very traditional. Uh, so the appointee at this school is a very traditional, um, you know, an undergraduate degree and master's degree in education. Um, do you need to have been a teacher only in a school? Well, I'm not so sure of that. Um, I'd be open to exploring people who could demonstrate that they understand good learning and teaching. When I said to you that we have our system standard, if you like, we insist that um, people, our leaders understand that all the learning theory talks about context connections and metacognition. 
that is not necessarily just the preserve of people who've gone to university and come out and started teaching. We do know that there are a lot of teachers who are not good at teaching, even though they have the qualification. Mm. So the reverse is true. But uh, the issue is how you build a complementary set skill set within the school that can help that happen. Um, we have had examples in the past of paraprofessionals who've gone on to become teachers. So, you know, it, it's not as black and white as, as it's an either or. Now, am I therefore saying, at the risk of before I get taken out and tarred and feathered, it doesn't matter, you don't have to have been a teacher to lead a school? Quite clearly, I'm not saying that. You need to understand the theory, the practice and the evidence and how that applies in the context of a very dynamic um, learning community, which we call our, school, our schools. If I can go back and finish off the other point I was making about the teacher's career path. Sure. Um, there, there is then um, the opportunity for, a, um, um, for people to access, you know, lead a, leading a community and a career path um, that is a combination of both, of staying in the classroom longer or... Um, in fact, not being as present in the classroom as they might have been in the past. But to allow that to happen, we, we, we put it, break it into two parts. The core work of the school is the learning and teaching, and that's the focus of everybody in that community. But on the other side, they need an enterprise capability, they need identity management, they need um, uh, system standards, they need technologies, they need an environment and all that sort of thing. And we need to find people who can help do those sorts of things. But the way the school would operate and the way the leaders need to operate is the intersection of those two things, of the learning with the enterprise. Because to run any school today, and we have most of our secondary schools are over 1,100, you know, 1,000 to 1,100 students. They are massive enterprises. We employ several thousand staff. And, um, you, know, the department, you know, the Department of Education is a lot bigger um, than, than we are and have a similar sort of, uh, you know, a challenge. But our approach is in that intersection of the enterprise and the system and then that shared leadership. Let's talk about some practical issues like the nine to three day and organising students into year levels. I had a conversation, uh, one of the guests on our program a, a few weeks ago was uh, Peter Hutton from Templestowe College in Victoria. And at that school, they're already some way down the path in that regard. So, uh, not so, not exactly sure about how they structure their day, but I know it's not a standard day, but they certainly don't have students in year levels. Will this be implemented in the new school you're building at, at Marsden Park, I believe? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, it's currently under, um, under discussion and negotiation. I'll give you a good example of the thinking. Um, the biggest growth industry in, we have in our schools at the moment surprise, surprise, is out-of-school hour um, care, ushers. Mm. Um, and it's a big problem here in Western Sydney, a big problem around the world. The, the second part of that is that the second biggest pressure is on early learning, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you think of how we handle um, ush at the moment is, so schools to start from 9 till 3, so they drop their kids off at 6 a.m., in, in a care that's usually done in the, well, it's always done in the school building. School starts at nine, finishes at three, and then they go into care again till six o'clock. What if we said our school would be open 
from six to six. Well, you'd certainly get a lot more use out of your school buildings, wouldn't you? Yeah, and you don't need to attend an oosh because we would look after you within the context of a school day. Now, that would mean new structures, new way of working, staffing implications, but immediately it brings takes away a whole nother layer of organisation, administration um, uh, 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 and other things that parents not only they have kids at, at the Ush at this school and then they attend another school. You would have a seamless experience. So we're asking those sorts of questions. Quite clearly, um, this school will probably cost, when it's completed, about $70 million. There is no way that you can continue providing that sort of investment in the fabric of any community and run it for six hours a day, 40 weeks a year, seven, five days a week for 40 weeks in the year. And that's why I've already mentioned the issue of partnerships, about innovation, and we really need to rethink the, the nature of the schooling. We have plans for multiple pathways, not just VET in, in, the, um, in the latter years of the schooling experience. We're in negotiations with tertiary institutions to blend the, the learning and the time that they're in operation. So we will be building something that will be able to cater to the changing needs and provide opportunities that we do not have. I was just but, thinking. Sorry, I was just thinking that if your school's going to be open from six till six, is it possible then that students could actually finish their schooling sooner? Because you know that the courses are divided into indicative hours. But if you've got more hours that you can be there, could you just do it faster? Well, you can do you can do those sorts of things, um, but you can also do a lot more of the social things. Like with if I take the Ush for example, um, the reason. And, and the problem that parents face here in Western Sydney, and not only here in Western Sydney, but the majority of them are, they're dropping them off at six, picking them up after six. When they get home, they have less time for socialisation, running around, all those sorts of things. All those things could be done within the scope of an extended school day, if you like, which would be a value add for the parents. So it's not necessarily just doing more work and acceleration. But obviously when you have multiple pathways and we're, this, the school will not be organised in cohort groups and class groups. They'll be organised in teams of kids working with teams of teachers. You provide a whole range of both extending and meeting the needs of the kids that have specialist learning needs. There's a comment in the article about uh, the article that was published about this concept in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, about the difference between improvement and transformation. And I just want to come back to this transformation idea that we mentioned earlier. You're quoted as saying, we've been trying to improve schools for 50 years. The issue is we need a new model. Yeah. Are we talking about a massive trial and error project here? No, this is not. The number one, and I'm glad you asked this, Colin, this is the number one point I'd like people to take out is we are not about experimenting with kids. Um, everything I've just said to you, I can defend on the basis of excellent learning theory, excellent um, practice and evidence. And you know, I, I've already mentioned the learning theory. I won't go deeper into all the other theory about it. Um, we need to ask ourselves what flows in the 21st century from that, just as the same they did in the 19th century before people had trains and cars. They asked that question and they designed buildings that way. We're now in a very different, um, uh, a different space. So um, it is not an experiment at all. Um, that, that is to do such a disservice to the hard work. It's, it's actually hard work. Richard Elmore, the 
the great American educationist was asked this question, or somebody once said to him, you know, uh, look, um, teaching's not rocket science. Anybody can do it. He said, you're right, it's not rocket science. It's much more complex. <laughs> um, and, and that's true. Working in it, being a knowledge worker in schools today is, is so different. Now, if I just come to the improvement process, I'll take last weekend in the Sydney Daily Telegraph, the front page of the Telegraph is, minister. it's called Literacy for Dummies. The New South Wales Minister has launched a booklet to go to schools that's got the basics of English grammar and starts with what is a sentence, what's a noun, what's a pronoun. And um, he's done that because our schools are failing and we need to improve schools. You cannot go a week without being told that schools need to improve. Mm. Politicians use it. The, the, the federal government, just to pick the Liberal side, have said we'll give you $1.2 billion, but it's all tied to more testing in schools. So it's about improvement, improvement, improvement. You cannot, if we squeezed the improvement agenda. We had a time where there were no tests in, in, uh, across our school years. Then we got the school certificate, the high school certificate. Then we got basic school tests. Then we got NAPLAN tests. NAPLAN was in year three and five. We now have it in three, five, seven and nine. If the federal government get in, they'll want it in year one, three, five, seven, nine and 12. And we face the ridiculous thing in New South Wales of having the kids tested in year 12 after all their schooling experience to see whether they're literate and numerate. Do you get the after bit? Then they can go to university and do a, do a, start their teaching degree and they'll be tested at university in their first year for their literacy and numeracy skills. So improvement gets you nowhere. You need to transform the way we think about this whole business and the whole process. Let's finish with two quick questions. What's your message to students facing this new reality that you're building there? You are going to have an absolutely extraordinary learning experience. You will be, and you will not want to stay at home. You will not want school holidays. The place where you will want to be is in this vibrant learning community. And what's your message to other principals listening to this conversation? Ah, oh, look, be open to, 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 to just to be open to it and. And think about this in terms of today's world, not the world that you grew up in. Greg, it sounds like you're building an amazing place for next year. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, Colin. You've been listening to Learning Capacity, brought to you by LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. And remember, we're always keen to hear what you think. Send your emails to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. And a reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast for free. Search for Learning Capacity on iTunes or visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast where you can catch up on our entire archive of interviews. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now.